Pop Culture Podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Brotopapas. I'm Joe. And I'm Nick. How you doing today, Nick? Good. It was weird this morning. You know, it rained so much, and I woke up in a fit, and I had to close all the windows, and then I went back to sleep. Yeah, uh, I, I think there may be more thunderstorming later today, oh, so God. we might... That's terrible yeah, news. We might have to worry about that, yeah. but I, I hopefully not while we record the podcast. I got a haircut, as you can see. Yeah, it looks I, great. I, I shaved... I cut all of it off. Uh, listeners don't know this, but I used to be very shaggy, and now I'm not, and I, I like it. Yeah, and actually, I just got to being a little shaggy. I haven't shaved in a while. My hair's getting big. Yeah. Beard's I'm, getting I'm, there. I'm ready for it, Nick. Oh, good. So, uh, I think we should jump right in. Last week, I made the assertion that the anime Neon Genesis Evangelion was not that exploitative of women. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I I have watched the first two episodes, and I was wondering if you were doing a joke. <laughs> I was so wrong. This show has so much weird sex stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's... Some of it works. Most of it does not. I haven't seen any sex yet, but I agree. Yeah, I mean, what's, what's interesting about it is they very intentionally decouple sexuality from nudity. Like, mm. in the show, I find that nudity is often associated with vulnerability. As opposed to sex. Yeah. Like, there is a sex scene where they do not show anything. There's one thing they like animating. Yeah. It's women's bodies. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very creepy. No budget cuts there. Um, it's one of the things that makes me most hesitant to recommend the show to anyone. Yeah, I mean, there's like, you know, this part Or to let people know that I watched it. <laughs> someone's mouth is covered and they don't animate the mouth. But Yeah. But butts are always there at all times. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of weird sex stuff. I don't feel fully equipped to address it. I think that the show as a whole works for me as, like, an exploration of, of depression. Yeah, you finished it, right? Uh, I did. I watched the whole series. I watched the movie End of Evangelion, which is sort of an alternate ending to the show, but also is kind of a companion piece to it in a weird way. You know, I there's a lot of ambiguity in it, and I think it would be presumptuous to say that I understand all or most of it, but I think I get the core bit, which is okay. the show is sort of communicating this message of if you have depression, then you have to make the choice to get better from that, even if it's hard, because it's worth living. Huh. Um, and I think that's very interesting. The last couple episodes of the show devolve into a philosophical conversation between the characters, Without spoiling anything. Okay. Because uh, their animation budget completely ran out. Uh, wow. <laughs> I thought it would get more animation budgets from the first two episodes. The movie has a very high animation budget. Okay. But okay. the final few episodes of the show have no money. They drew a lot of frames in marker. I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's incredible. It, it works for how it is portraying what it's portraying. Okay. I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I, I think... A lot of, one of the most interesting threads for me is, like, the inability of the parental figures in the show to, like, address the needs of the very screwed up children that are, that are in the plot. Like, all of the main characters have either absent parental figures or ones that are very, like, ill-equipped to handle, uh, you know, their emotional needs, mm -hmm. which I think is interesting and speaks to, like, a lot of how that stuff works in real life. Okay. Yeah, I, I I did like the show. I think I might have liked it better if I were actively depressed while watching it. Huh. If that makes sense. 
because there seems to be a lot of stuff that speaks to that mindset that I am not currently in. And, you know, seeing it now, I feel that while it is in a lot of ways very well made, at least in regards to the art direction, which I find very interesting, when it's not focusing on women's bodies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I sort of just dismiss that as weird anime stuff that's sort of not, you know, a big part of the show. I mean, it's there, but it's not, like, it's pretty yeah. easy to ignore in terms of, like, looking at the For plot the as part, a whole. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's how I felt watching. You know, a I bit. think some of it is important because at certain points the show does become more critical of that not always which is a problem there are points to where i feel that it's very clearly addressing like the main character's objectification of uh the women around him mm-hmm. there are scenes where he's viewing them all as one entity even though he has very different relationships and uh with them and they're all very different people uh which i find interesting uh, can i ask you a question joe sure how do you feel about the plot overall? Because that's probably, you know, the most engaging part from the first two episodes for me. It was the way the plot went, you know, jumping into the first two episodes, it went really quickly, which mm-hmm. I really liked. And a lot of the explanations you had to wait and, like, pay attention to get. In, in the first episode, I thought that they blew up a city. Right. But it turns out they didn't. And all I had to do was pay a little bit of attention the next episode. Mm-hmm. And those are two, you know, very interesting story things I liked. And the plot was engaging for me, not as much as the characters, at least at first. So how would you feel about the plot throughout? I think that the plot mostly pays off. Um, you get more of that in the movie than you do in the show uh, for the conclusion of like a lot of the major plot elements. Uh, there's still a lot of ambiguity. You will be asking yourself, I think, you know, what just happened? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, so and kind of good, right? Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of answers that I don't think conclusively exist, oh. which I think is interesting. Okay. Like, you can get to them if you think about them a lot and if you do the research or if you like look into fan theories but there are a lot of things that the the show doesn't give you all the answers which okay. i think is interesting you know it, it'll be up to you i think whether that works or not but uh what, what did what did you think of it in in general like, um, from the episodes you saw well i'm i'm interested i'm not really invested yet just because i haven't i felt like i got a lot too much from the characters mm-hmm. and, you know it's not not that anything wrong you know it's only been 40 minutes or whatever um but it sounds like it gets really character-based later on. It does. It, it, um, there's a point, especially when they run out of money, uh, <laughs> where they become drastically more interested in what's going on with the characters than what's going on with the plot, which is an interesting decision. Uh, I think it'll be up to you whether it pays off or not. I think for me it very much paid off. Okay. I mean, I'm very into character things, um, mm-hmm. and right now I'm interested, so I think I might go ahead and watch some more of that. Excellent. Nick, you have a thing for me? I do. Uh, this week, I actually this morning, mm-hmm. uh, I just finished Uncharted Two. I'm not a big video game person, but I just mm-hmm. had played the first one. I actually I got a, like a remastered version of the first three uh, from a friend, and so I'm, I just played the first one, and I I liked that, and so I decided to play the second one. Um, some things I liked about the first one, you know, there's basically three aspects in this game, and there's a shooting aspect which is pretty straightforward. You know, it's third person, you you go and you shoot the bad guys, and there's I enjoy it. It's fun. It really the variability in that is you know how the map is laid out. You know how many bad guys there are pretty more or less um some of them are more stronger but like in the first one there's probably like three bad guy types then there's also a climbing aspect which is not too challenging but a little bit cool to look at and always engaging when you're just climbing a really tall building and then there's also like puzzles because it's sort of an indiana jones type game like treasure hunters and yeah you know but the first game it was really fun and the story stuff was surprisingly engaging uh, but mm-hmm. there wasn't too much of it. Um, right. So going into the second one, I was hoping to get, you know, like a little bit more on everything because, I, you know, obviously that game was from like 2007 
and I live in the future, so I knew that all those things could get better. I knew that the, you know, it could be smoother, the fights could be more fun, all that stuff. Basically, everything could be more. It could be more animated better, you know, bigger, that sort of right. thing. Like, just more challenging, things like that, especially with the puzzles, more challenging. They were very easy in the first game. Mm-hmm. And the second one really, really delivers on that. It's like, you know, everything looks better. The puzzles are not really that much harder, but way bigger. They feel super cool. The climbing feels way more dangerous, sort of. Uh, you know, it's great to look at. All the set pieces are amazing. And this is this kind of game where you go all over the world um, and you look for the treasure. You're trying to find a treasure. Yeah, so it was it was just more of everything. That's really good. Uh, the plot of this one was sort of my biggest problem with it, actually, even though it's sort of the thing I got most excited for in the first one. Because I, I think more and more of these games get to be sort of like movies with like way more cutscenes. And mm-hmm. this one really dived into the cutscenes. Like it, it was really into doing more cutscenes, uh, which is cool. But a, a lot of the plot, so it starts out and, you know, it's Nathan Drake, our main character. And he's mm-hmm. sort of, you know, nondescriptly in some tropical place. And he's approached by an old friend, old two old friends. And one of them's like British and he's like, his name's Flynn. And he's like, oh, we of got course. a god joke for you, buddy. <laughs> you know, old pal. And, <laughs> and then this other girl is hot. And her name's Chloe, and that's her main deal. <laughs> She's cool and hot. Uh, and turns oh, out, oh, so it's a video game from 2011. Yeah. Oh, great. No, it's not from 2011. It's 2009. 2009. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so she and she and Nathan have a secret love affair, and they're like, oh, we're gonna screw him over after we get this cool Mongolian pot. So I, I'm I'm not that familiar with Uncharted. Doesn't yeah. doesn't uh, our friend Nathan Drake? Doesn't he have another girlfriend partner? Sure, we're getting to that. Oh, I see. <laughs> so there's tension between yes later <laughs> him cheating no he's just not cheating okay he's not in a relationship it's fine okay yeah uh so then you know i have a very limited understanding of what goes on in uncharted well i'm telling you Here's, okay you know, thank you it starts off he's in the you know place he's approached he goes on this mission to find this pot that has a trail for marco polo's secret land okay Shambhala. that's what they're looking for and the magic big stone in it all right that's the main deal and mm-hmm. you know it, you know, it goes and he gets double crushed by the British guy a little bit, and then the, the girlfriend turns out that she's on his side, and they're secretly helping each other, and he gets in prison. And, you know, lots of like double crossing, lots of sneaking around. Basically, you're racing to this secret place, and there's this big Russian guy, and his Great. his name is Lazarevich, and Lazarevich is you know has more money and has all these guys that I'm killing constantly, mm-hmm. and he's you know getting to the treasure. And so this thing goes all over the place. It's just really cool. It goes to Borneo, and then you go to the Himalayas. And you go underground and there's cool ice things and then there's the secret city. It's all wonderful. It's Excellent. wonderful to look at. Um, the soundtrack's really good. I just thought I'd mention that in both games. Mm-hmm. Great soundtrack. And uh, this game has some weird... Th- Speaking of weird sexual things. Okay. This, this game has some weird sexual things, but I think it really works. There's, you know, there's this one aspect of the game where you have to reach something higher than you can jump. So you, you know, you are, you're one player and the other person is following you around. Usually a hot girl, whatever it is. Uh, and, you know... Right. Right. Chloe, in this case, you know, you lift her up to boost her to grab the ledge. And she, you know, is climbing up a ladder or something. And there's a ton, so many jokes about, wow, nice view. He's just looking at her ass. It's hilarious. Well, <laughs> huh? that's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> but it's not, because they're both just sort of flirting. It's just sort of, you know, this game does a lot of, like, that sort of joking. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, it's fun. I don't know. I don't dislike it. And there's, later in the game, I think he uses the word bitch, which was a surprise. I was like, uh. whoa, who's this game for? <laughs> Yeah, it was sort of funny in that way. All the characters have like little quips that are they're funny. I don't think this game takes itself too seriously. In the first game, when you die, the bad guys sometimes go, "He's history," which I think is really funny. <laughs> um, anyways, so you kind of go and um, eventually the girl from the first game, Elena, who's a news reporter, right? You know, she just happens to be there, and that's sort of the weird stuff about the plot in this one. It's like it's a lot of rehashing the first one. So in a lot of ways, it feels like the same thing, but more. And better like now there's 
new aspects with this like guy betraying you and that sort of thing but really it's the same it's like racing to the treasure there's this girl take her with you and this one there's two girls and they you know have a thing whatever i mm-hmm. and, you know he's in love with the girl from the first game is the main idea okay. and what, it, what it's really missing in my opinion is sort of background because this game just sort of starts and he's like he's literally at a bar in a tropical place and we're like how did he get here who is this guy and then like we don't know where the girl from the last game went or his partner like we don't know these things and they come in later but they don't really explain hmm. and so it feels less like a story and more like a sort of rehash the first one and it's not that it doesn't work but you know it just sort of it doesn't feel like the plot's going anywhere it just sort of feels like we're going through the motions like okay the second installment instead of like one of four or whatever or two or four it's like the first one but better and my only real problem is that the plot doesn't go anywhere it's just sort of the same but better Mm -hmm. um which is fine I mean, you know, the first one's basically Raiders of the Lost Ark, but good. It's cool. This, you know, some twists, super. Oh right, you do, you don't like Raiders of the Lost Ark? Oh, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I tried to watch it, I could not finish. I actually haven't really seen it. It's so it's bad. I mean, There's some cool action, but you could also just play Uncharted. <laughs> That's my opinion. Cool. Yeah. You know, there's there's a couple of things in this game that make me think it's more interesting than it than I've said about the plot. There's a couple of things like the villain is pretty basic. He's Russian, and at the end, the last level took me so long. Jesus Christ! Like he says these cheesy things in between, like when you get a good hit on him, you cannot stand in the way of destiny. He says stupid things like that, and then he he does a lot of like yelling your name. He goes Drake. It's just so cheesy, and he's like, wow, it's this Russian guy. Like, what's this guy? And. <laughs> But the thing is, is that, you know, there's one part right before you end him. He's like, you think I'm, he, he goes, you think I'm a monster, but think about how many people you've killed. <laughs> Seriously, he goes, how many people have you killed today? And it's so many because this is what this game is. It's shooting right, people. because it's a video game. Yeah. And I don't know, just like little things like that and just make me think that it's, you know, the writers of this game are smarter than they are letting on and don't take themselves too seriously. And I actually really like that part where he's like, how many people have you killed today? Because it's like, that's just an interesting question that, like, you know, usually it's just like video game logic. But in this one, it's like, Maybe they're going somewhere with that, and I enjoy that. And they do inv- they advance the relationship between the girl from the first game and him. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Great. You know, I, I'm, uh, for the next one, basically I'm hoping the same thing. Better puzzles, better climbing, better, you know, animations, and a, a more thorough story. But overall, it was loads of fun. So much fun. Excellent. I, I hope we talk about Uncharted 3 in the future. Uncharted again. 3. Drake's Un- Deception. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Unchart- Uncharted 4. Yes. Which has a subtitle. A Thieves End. A Thieves End. Yeah. I'm excited. And there's also the spin off with just the girls. Oh, I'll play it all. Don't worry. Right. Okay. I'm gonna play it all. I'm totally addicted. I Oh can't best part, wait for sorry. Updates. Best part of uh, Uncharted is that when you finish the game, the little achievement you get it says mm-hmm. charted and oh. it makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes I... like three times because I played on played it on hard, so it goes you know, right. it gives me like all the ones under it too. Mm-hmm. And it keeps going charted, charted, charted. It makes me so happy. I love that. Yeah, I beat it this morning, so Excellent. I'm very happy. All right, that was my thing for you, Joe. Great. Uh, let's talk about Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man. Joe, you want to give me a little background on this? Because I actually don't know. Ultimate Spider-Man was a, you know, 21st century, to the year 2000 reimagining of the Spider-Man origin story. So it takes the, the original 12 pages in Amazing Fantasy 15, which came out in 1962, the origin of Spider-Man, and it retells that for a then-modern audience. It's been 19 years, give or take. So the first volume covers the origin of Peter Parker, the origin of Green Goblin. They have a fight. Uh, Mary Jane's there. Harry Osborn's there. You know, the people you'd expect. Uh, it's written by Brian Michael Bendis and drawn by Mark Bagley. I really like it. I think that shit rules. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, I first read it when I was 12, Yeah. to be fair. Yep. But I 
I really love Ultimate Spider-Man. I what do you love? About I understand it? it would have its flaws, but um, <laughs> what do you what do you really love about Ultimate Spider-Man? <laughs> well, you know there is obviously a nostalgia element, but I I think that the dialogue is very naturalistic. I love how it takes this version of Peter Parker and it sort of reimagines him for a modern audience. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most interesting things and really the the most dynamic change they made to the origin story is that the the last thing that Peter says to Uncle Ben in this version is something very spiteful because they're having an argument. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of uh, bolsters the, the guilt he's feeling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When, when he ultimately dies, which he does. Uncle Ben dies in this. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I think that's really interesting, that not only is Peter fighting because he inadvertently caused the death of his uncle, the death of this person who was very important to him, but also just because he has this open wound that can never really be healed. All right, well, the last thing he says, since you mentioned it, is my father. If he knew so much, then where the fuck is he? <laughs> and then he runs away. So I know you haven't played it, but there is a video game based on this comic book series. That is exactly how Peter Parker sounds in it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my Luke Skywalker also. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, yeah. Uh, I know that we were talking before this. You texted me. You don't like the art? Oh, I hate the art. <laughs> the art and just like, I, I guess it's a combination of the art and just like this like 2000s aesthetic just makes me want to barf. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like it's, it's so ugly. All the colors are so ugly together. There's all these like extra lines. Everything looks disgusting in my opinion. And then, and then like weird things like Harry Osborn is like a, a punk who like wears a leather jacket. Look at this. Like he's like wearing like a sleazy leather jacket. And like, I think he has one earring maybe. That's not, that just he does. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> it's actually it makes me want to barf. Like this guy's like just this guy's haircut. Flash Thompson. That's Flash Thompson's bowl cut, and I hate it. <laughs> I just I can't. I can hardly like it. Just looking, you know, some comics you pick up and you flip through them, and you're like, wow, look at these layouts. And this one is just like, wow, look at this barf green. Do you see this barf green, Joe? <laughs> it's filthy it's it's like they took the worst colors that go together ever and look, look this man is wearing like this okay also some people just like have blue hair like that's what? i mean I, I i think that's the old comic book thing of it's supposed to be black um <sighs> okay <laughs> i just don't like it oh and there's also like weird like motion things like the way that peter looks sometimes when he's just moving like you can't see this but it's just some ridiculous motion stuff where it looks like he's like a con- contortionist I, I, I think the dynamism of Spider-Man really works in It this. looks like he just, like, snapped his back in half sometimes. Like, the way he's... Like, especially, like, he does a lot of running away from his, like, aunt and uncle in this one. And, like, I don't know why, because the artist is bad at drawing Peter running away. Like, you know, this one, he's, like, I don't know, having a fit in his desk. It looks like he broke his legs, and they're breaking the wrong way, and also his, like, neck snapped backwards. That's what this looks like. I just don't like it. And I think it makes me uncomfortable. I actually really like a lot of what you're talking about. I think that, you know, this version of Peter Parker is supposed to be a bit uncomfortable. Um, right, because it's the ultimate universe. Everything's edgy there and weird, right? Well, I, I don't think this is... <laughs> I don't think that the Ultimate Spider-Man comics are as absurdly edgy as a lot of the Ultimate comics. Oh, I, this is quite I, enough edgy for me. I, <laughs> I believe you, but I don't need more edge. I think that... Green Goblin, Ultimate Green Goblin being an actual giant goblin monster is a bit much. Oh, I'll give you that. Really? I don't really care about that. 
right, well, um, yeah, I hate the art, so reading it was hard. Um, Counter to that, I really like the dynamism that Bigley captures with Spider-Man. I like how skinny his Peter is. I... <laughs> I'm shaking, shaking my head in, in disgust. <laughs> I I like how it feels like he's always moving when he's in costume or out of costume, especially after he gets the spider bite. Uh, I I think that you know the expressions that uh, Bagley does could use some work. Also, there's a weird bit where the the teacher from Ferris Bueller is in the in his school and does the exact <laughs> lines from Ferris Bueller, it, like the whole monologue for this whole page. Why? Weird. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually agree that the di- some of the dialogue's pretty good. Uh, I felt like, you know, Flash and this big guy also. Colin. Uh, yeah. Is that your They came across name? well, and his transition to liking Peter came across well. Um, you know, there was something... I think this book does a good job of, like, you know, having... You know, telling the origin story. It does a, it's fine. It's good. Like, it... Everything is, is, is good. The, the aunt and uncle come across fine. You know, his friends come across fine. Mary Jane comes across fine. Peter, you know, isn't everything is like in character. Everything feels good. Uh, Jay Jonah is good in this. Um, you know, it all makes sense. It's just for me, I was, you know, I'm bored of the Spider-Man origin story. Like, you, you got me. And this is like not something I read in my childhood. Sure. So for me, this is like the 50th time that I've, you know, encountered this story. And so, it, you know, it does a fine job, but it's nothing special to me. And that, you know... On right that on top of the you know ugly art i can't stand it just wasn't that engaging i i still completely disagree about the art I, oh yeah I, I, I know but like, i don't think bigley's i don't think his pencils are uh ugly i i don't find them 100 percent appealing but i find them to be expressive in interesting ways and i think a lot of what you have problems with is the early 2000s coloring which i do agree with oh could be I, you know but also that's the final art so I do have a problem with it. You know what I mean? Fair. I mean, I think this page we're looking at now works. I think the colors there, for the most part, are fine. Oh, I I don't. Okay. Yeah, and I don't like, you know, like, this guy's face has lots of etches on it. Like, I I just, a lot of things I don't like, and that's how it is. Um, But, you know, I understand. You know, like, if you you like this art, then I understand why this would be, and you read in your childhood, I totally understand why you might like this book. But me, having the opposite two opinions, not having read this in my childhood, (laughs) and not liking the art, um... I just got really bored. Yeah, I mean, all right. I, I personally, I think it's a very compelling take on the Spider-Man origin. I but think it, that it doesn't. What does it do that differently except for look gross? <laughs> <laughs> wow, what's so different? Edgy Harry? You like Edgy Harry? <laughs> I don't. He's not that edgy. <laughs> they were. He's pretty edgy. Oh, Peter, coming right. over to do homework, but only to cheat off you. That's what. Does he smoke a cigarette at all? He does not. Oh, impressive. It seems like he would smoke a cigarette. <laughs> you know the original storyline with Harry Osborn is that he does drugs, right? Like, I don't no. I don't remember exactly if that's in the Ultimate Comics, but that is one of the big things about the original Harry Osborn comics, is that Spider-Man finds out that he, he's, he's doing drugs, and it was one of the first, if not the first, Marvel comic that they ran without the Comics Code Authority. Wow. That's my interesting <laughs> trivia for today. Uh, <laughs> cool. Really, I like it. <laughs> I learned something today. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think we can disagree on this, but I think I, I, I understand why you might. Right. Going back to the art, there are a lot of touches I like. I like how all the teenagers look fairly dweeby. Like, it's, it's an interesting touch when in a lot of media you do see romanticized versions of teens. Like, even Flash Thompson is not, like, 
handsome, even though as like the standard jock he maybe should be. Okay. Like again, like you said, he's got a bulk out. <laughs> yeah, and I don't like looking at it or his weird teal shirt. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> everything's just wrong for me, and that's what I have to say. I like the covers. These are nice. Really, that's something I don't like. I think that's okay. I don't love the colors. I was lying. I think I was trying to make it. Sorry, I, I I don't like the covers. I I think they're very much a, a relic of their time. Huh. Well, I like them better than the they comics. Do, they don't have inks. <laughs> this looks better than that. Hard disagree. Okay. <laughs> also, not. Oh, a I, you know what argument. I liked about this one? I like the bit where where Peter joins the basketball team after he <laughs> broke Flash and does a great job. I think that's funny. That's something this book does a good job on on the origin story. Right, the bit where Peter breaks Flash's hand and the basketball team needs a, a new player. Yeah. So Peter joins because he has his new Spider-Man I, Yeah, I think hours. it's really funny. And uh, I think it works for his like spiteful nature leading, oh, yeah. leading, leading into yeah. I think that's a great touch. Yeah, how do you, how'd you um, feel about the sort of the end of this book? A lot of the end of this book is him fighting Green Goblin. Yes. For um, seemingly no reason. Why are they fighting? Uh, well, because Green Goblin comes in and attacks the school. Oh, of course. Um. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's my mistake. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it was a little long for me. Yeah, it's it's very it's much like probably an issue long in total. It's it's very, very long. <laughs> it's very decompressed. Yeah, it's it's taking, I mean, it's taking an original twelve-page story, and it's making it, you know, seven issues. Yeah, I'd say this is about it. <laughs> One of which total. is double-sized. <laughs> uh, there's not that much plot that goes on. I think honestly, even though I do like it. It um it could have been two or three issues. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, this is like this long fight that is just not that exciting for me. Right. Do you find the action engaging? Uh, I think that Bagley is very good at drawing dynamic poses, which you may disagree on. Yeah, I mean they're dramatic. I just don't like looking at them. Right. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I think this may be just a. a I think this action is not that taste. great. Not that great, in my opinion. It's all right. Like it works, but just for this long sort of action sequence at the end, that's sort of like the climax of the story. You know, it's... I think that there would probably be a better way to have Peter... Basically, in his debut as Spider-Man, like, I think there would have been a more emotional and compelling way to show that than just giant monster shows up and attacks the school, Peter right. has to fight it off. Yeah. Like, there's nothing besides, like, the tension of, like, oh, will anybody notice Peter's gone, which isn't really played up. No, you know, right. it's kind of a nothing fight beyond yeah. just, like, you know... A long... We know he's gonna win, and he's yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, a lot of this book is we know what's gonna happen. And that's what it was for me. Right. Um, so. I understand that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'm done with Ultimate Spider-Man. That's my opinions. Okay. You've heard them. Don't read yeah. it. That's my opinion, <laughs> listener. I think, you know, if you're in the market for a semi-recent Spider-Man story, it's not the worst you could go with. I guess it is 20 years old at this point. Yeah. You could probably go a little more recent. Like, to be clear, the Miles Morales stuff that Bendis and Pacelli do 10 years later is definitely better than this i, mean, I, th- I here's think what i would recommend you go to your local comic book shop you pick it up you look through it and i think that moment when you look through it will will fundamentally decide whether you're with joe or you're with me because <laughs> i mean that's really the deciding factor here is, is whether you can stand this art yeah i think mark bigley is good in this and i think he gets better over time all right and also, you know, I want to bring up that I, I, I applaud his workmanship. He was on this book for 110 monthly, sometimes more than monthly issues. Okay, that's all. The guy... The guy... <laughs> Good job, dude. 
<laughs> he works hard. All right, yeah, yeah, I got it. All right. Don't kill me. <laughs> and I don't think he did a bad job. Okay, I do, but that's fine. Okay. All right, moving on. What's next? Uh, well, Nick. Yep. I've uh, I've got something for you. You've got something for me. I've got a segment that we've been doing for this entire show. Yeah. And we will continue to do. Continue. Forever. Yeah. Our our. Welcome back to my favorite ongoing segment of ours. It's called uh, "What Do You Think Is Going On on Marvel's Agents of Shield." <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love it. I love it. <laughs> wow. Um. The wait wait wait. Okay. I've got some okay. lead in. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Sorry. Please finish. The Avengers spinoff TV series started in 2013 and is coming close to wrapping up its sixth season. Okay. It's also been confirmed for a seventh season oh next Lord. year. Wow. Now, you haven't watched the show regularly in several years. Yeah. And I've never watched it. Okay. What do you think those fellows are up to? All right. So last time I watched, I think it was season five, maybe six, and they were in space. Um, right. And that seemed like a, you know, that was seemed like a whole season thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure because the the season before that I don't know what season that was they did a lot of like mini arcs which I liked a lot they were like instead of doing a bit for a whole season we're going to do it for five episodes and they did like Ghost Rider and this like like virtual reality thing in their heads it was weird so here's my pitch okay. while you work on yours Yeah. so I think after you bring in Ghost Rider which I think was a couple years ago yeah. um, the, the clear next step is to go even further into that Marvel mysticism realm and I think you've got to bring in uh, the greatest Marvel supervillain of all time, Master Pandemonium, the man who has babies for hands. <laughs> I mean, the... <laughs> no one else is using The movies aren't using him. <laughs> for those not familiar, I'm not. Master Pandemonium is a Marvel supervillain who has demon babies for hands. I mean, oh, demon babies. I thought that he... Oh, and this gets better. They're Scarlet Witch's demon babies. Oh, I thought that he had babies attached to his hands, and he would be like, oh, what are you going to do, hit me? And then no one would want to hit him because he's holding babies. No, he just... The the babies are his hands, to be clear. Oh, okay. The babies go where his hands would oh, be. Oh, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought I thought the bit would be that no one, no hero would want to hurt the innocent babies. Right. Is that what it is? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I've never actually read a oh, Master Pandemonium comic. So you said demon comic. babies, which made me think they attack. No, but they... I mean, they might, but they are demons. And babies. So would it be moral They're... for, like, Captain America to hit them? That's a good question. I mean, the question we should be asking is, it, is it moral for Phil Coulson to hit them? Oh, yeah, probably. With his, with his secret agent gun. Yeah, this sounds like a whole season of plot. Wow. <laughs> Great. After whatever went on with the Inhumans, is it okay for Phil Coulson to kill a child? Inhumans? I think they're done with that, right? Are they? I don't I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes they tie into the movies. What's the movie mm-hmm. that came out this year? I uh, guess, Avengers uh... Endgame. Oh, okay. So <laughs> maybe half of Coulson's team disappeared. Uh, and he was like, oh, damn. <laughs> And then he, uh, you know, you know what, you know what agency probably did this season? Mm-hmm. They sent the brain of someone into a rat and then sent the rat to unlock Ant-Man from the thing. Right. To, to and, start and, Endgame. And that, that's how that's, it ties together. Okay. That that's makes probably sense. what happened this season. Right. Because they've always got to tie it into the, that right. greater movie universe. Yeah. 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 Do, do you think it has something to do with the, the you know, the, the re-release of Avengers Endgame they did this weekend? No. They uh, oh, they, they added some minutes. They added some, I think, end credit stuff. I I assume it ties into that in some way. Probably. Yeah. It could be something random too. 
Right. You know, it could be, you know, they've, they've done, in humans, they've done, uh, they probably went underwater. Atlantis. That's right. my guess. Atlantis. That's my random guess. I mean, no, because cause if I were doing the Marvel movies, yeah. would I not want to use Namor in Black Panther 2? You don't have to use Namor. You can just imply Namor all the time. Right. That's what Agents of Shield does best. <laughs> they can just imply, like, a shadow appears. <laughs> and it's Namor, but only for a second. Is that what they do? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember specifically an episode starts and they're like, oh, geez, Thor blew up everything. Time to clean up. <laughs> that was the funniest for me. It was after the Thor sequel. Right. Or Thor blows the Earth Thor, up. Thor 2, The Dark World. Yeah, yeah there's something blows up and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. have to clean it up. And I thought that was really... Anyways, I don't hate Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's always been good. It's never been bad. I, I always enjoyed watching it. I just sort of dropped off because I stopped watching TV a lot. And it's sort of, you know, it's one of those shows where it's like 22 episodes, right. 40 minutes. It's one of those things where, like, you'd really only watch it if you're already watching a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, committed enough, and I sort of dropped off TV. So. Yeah. But I am, you know, that is what do you, what do you What do you think about the people who are still watching Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I support weekly? you. I support you. I think it's good. I think it's totally underrated and really good. And if it's anything <laughs> like that other season where they split up the arcs, power to them. Because that's some of the best TV shows... Any TV show that goes a whole season for twenty, you know, the twenty-two episodes, forty minutes, should split up arcs. They should do mini seasons constantly because it was so much more engaging. And that, for me, was wonderful. The Flash on the CW yeah. never, never did that. Yeah, they and it should. was bad. They should just do arc, arc, arc constantly. To be clear, neither of us watch that show anymore. Yeah, I used to, uh, they, used they, to, used they to. could do that now. Yeah, but we don't know. Oh, that's true. So, do you want to look up what's going on Agents of Shield this season? No. Nick, I believe you have a, a wise quote for us to close out the show. Oh, I do, I do. Um, I'm sort of between two, but I think that I think that I, I got a good one. All right, this one is from J.D. Salinger. Great, a friend of mine, not a, a friend of yes, ours, ours. Yes, I would say. Okay, I'm sick of not having the courage to be an absolute nobody. Thank you for uh, listening to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Brodobapis. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>